Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and exploring the wisdom our children bring into this world. I believe that our very young children are our greatest teachers. After all, they're the masters of living in the present moment, bubbling in unconditional love, enjoying the messiness of life, and curious about the universe in all its dimensions. The pure essence that young children exhibit lives within all of us. My hope is that these interviews will help us discover, embrace, and connect with the sacred core of childhood that resides within each of our hearts. I am your host, Marla Hughes. Today, I am so excited and honored to have Michael Mayo with us as a guest. Michael is an internationally trained medium, astrologer, and spiritual teacher. He developed his mediumship in the United Kingdom under mediums such as Gordon Smith and Eileen Davis at Arthur Finley College. Michael brings a practical, grounded, and evidential style to his spiritual work. While developing his mediumship, Michael graduated from the University of California, Irvine with a BA in Psychology and Social Behavior and a BA in Drama. With his passion for teaching and helping others discover their own unique spiritual connection, he has taught and studied in the U.S., Europe, and Australia. Michael is also a second-generation astrologer with over 18 years of understanding astrological theory. He teaches and holds workshops throughout the United States and abroad, helping others explore and personally develop through the understanding of astrology. Blending his many spiritual gifts and skills with a practical, grounded results-oriented approach, Michael helps you to discover your strengths, what holds you back, and empowers you to discover your own inner strength and grit. He provides a safe, positive, and supportive environment for each person that comes to his workshops, development circles, or consultations. Throughout his many years of working with the spirit world, he has brought messages of love and hope from those on the higher side of life. His greatest mission is to show that life, like love, is eternal. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thank you, Myla. It's great to be here. Uh, what a beautiful bio. I just want to like sign up for everything that you, that you are. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure I will. So, so let's get started. And um, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you began this journey of mediumship and your interest in spirituality and children? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my beginnings of spirituality um, really kind of go back to one of my earliest memories. So as far as I can remember, one of my earliest memories is uh, wanting to understand and know God. And so that sort of thing, I remember, you know, I didn't grow up in a religious household or anything like that. And I remember uh, talking to like a family friend or something and wanting to ask him, like, can we watch like the Ten Commandments movie? Or like asking him like these different questions about God and like the little, little bits that I had at a very young age. And I feel that was kind of that, I don't know where that came from, that sort of sense within that you know, there was something bigger and I needed to understand and know this thing. And so um, that is that sort of began at a very young age and kind of moved into more like traditional forms of, of discovery of spirituality. So I was Christian for quite some time and, and discovered, you know, God through that experience. 
Um, and then later on down the road, uh, I believe I was 18, I stumbled into a mediumship demonstration um, and the medium came to me and said, you know, you're a medium, you need to start developing and one day you'll be doing what I'm doing up here. And for an 18, 18 year old me, uh, just out of high school, that blew my mind. I, I was like, I don't even know what this stuff really is. I mean, I'd, I'd kind of heard of it before, but, uh, and so I went to my first development circle. And uh, in that experience, uh, I got all kinds of information right off the bat. Mm. And because of that, I realized, okay, I guess this guy was right. There's something here. And that sort of began the journey of my spiritual unfoldment, understanding of energy and mediumship and all things uh, psychic. So wow. that's kind of where that began. Beautiful. Well, I know you said in our pre-conversation that you were a very intuitive child. And um, what, what do you mean by that? And how did that shape your childhood? Absolutely. So that's always an interesting thing because growing up, uh, this way, you don't actually realize that you are intuitive. You think that's just how you're going through life. So it wasn't until I actually developed my awareness uh, through you know mediumship and, and psychism that I realized, wow, you actually you were having all of these intuitive experiences as a child. Mm -hmm. uh, and so looking back on it, I could tell you that. But at the time, I just knew that I was sensitive to people. I understood that I could get overwhelmed in certain situations. Um, I knew that you know I would get feelings about things, and then they would happen, or dreams would come, like dreams would come true, those kinds of things. But I was always very sensitive to the people uh, that were around me, particularly in the family that I grew up in, which was a very emotional sort of place. Um, we're all water signs in our family. Uh, <laughs> And so we're all very, very emotion. We call it the ocean of emotion. So <laughs> I, I grew it. up in that. So we're all very, very sensitive sort of in that way. So it's like, I didn't realize that that was an unusual thing uh, until later I look back and go, oh yeah, I guess that was that and that was this. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting in that way. Yeah. You know, I know you talked a little bit to get just a little personal, um, about being premature and um, when you were born and my twins were were actually very premature when they were born also and how how you believed that for a while you had one foot in and kind of one foot out could you speak to that a little bit absolutely so uh, i was born almost like two and a half almost three months early and so I was, you know, in that very, very preemie sort of space. Mm -hmm. And the doctors were certain that I was going to die. I mean, they, they told my mom, you know, he's going to die. I, my dad had a priest come in and give me my last rites. So I'm set for the moment I go now. And uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I feel very much that in that time period of sort of, you know, being either here or there, because any time a child is born, right, there's a point where you know, I feel that their, their soul, their energy really inhabits the being. Mm -hmm. And I feel that because I was premature, there was sort of that in and out thing. I mean, they were pretty certain I was going to die. So, I mean, if we imagine, you know, those, those cases of, um, you know, people in comas or, you know, nearing end of death, I think, and they start to see and experience the other world, I do believe that the beginning of life is similar. 
Yes. So I believe that that sort of we can be in sort of both worlds uh, during a time period when our, our mental faculty maybe isn't as developed. And uh, that I feel plays a large role in, in like children in general being intuitive. So as far as me being premature, you know, I was at death's door. <laughs> and so I feel that that had some sort of impact on maybe that maybe that's where that that understanding that there's something in this life and I have to know this thing called God um, came from I'm that's obviously an educated guess <laughs> and just kind of an internal feeling um, that, that there was an important thing I was here to do right right and you listen to the stories about near-death experiences and it's a lot of what you're saying right now when you were kind of in between those two worlds. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So how did, how was your experience in school being a really intuitive child and sensitive? Absolutely. That was a journey, to put it nicely. <laughs> uh, as a younger, younger child, um, I feel that, uh, I mean, there, within my family, they could tell that there was something different about me. You know, I, I would zone out or I like wouldn't be present with what was happening, you know, around us. And then particularly in school, that was really hard for me because uh, I didn't know. I, it's hard to know what to focus on when your awareness is being impacted by other things. Right. And these are things that within the school environment, they don't account for, right? Or at least the traditional schooling environment. There's, there's other schooling nowadays that seem to take some of those things into consideration. Um, but I feel that with this, um, I had a really hard time with like the linear things and with being sensitive to the people around me. Um, I had to always feel, this is kind of interesting, I always had to feel a really close connection with my teachers, like to feel safe and to yes. feel... Um, like secure in that but regardless of all of that like I, they put me on medication because they wanted me to be able to focus um and and what i find especially the more and more i develop my awareness now is this whole kind of practice of our awareness moving into these other spaces um sort of like that daydreamy sort of space is largely connected to our uh, ability to move in and out of mediumistic awareness. And so I think I was paying attention a lot to what I was feeling and what I was, and, and that's not what was the curric curriculum at the time. Yeah. So that really played a negative role, I would say, in my ability to be present. Mm -hmm. What do you think, what, what would have helped you? What do you think your teacher, maybe your parents or the universe, what could have helped you in that time period? Sure. Yeah. Um, I don't think for everyone the 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 traditional way of going through school is appropriate because I think you have so many different children and so many different abilities uh, and and understanding uh, that I think it's super important for parents to pay attention to the unique needs of their child rather than everyone sort of being funneled through the same system. We're not all identical. We're not all the same. And I think it's super important for, you know, parents to be aware of this when they're deciding, you know, what the best course of action for schooling is. So I think if you can identify that you have a sensitive child in your class, um, doing what you can to make them feel safe, doing what you can to 
support their unique learning abilities because I think that there's also that in there and also incorporating maybe in some way their sensitivity um, uh, to, to learning. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, could you explain that a little bit? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and this is sort of something that I'm just sort of forming and, and thinking about now as I reflect on, but it would be interesting to see if there was some way that we could um, also encourage children's awareness of their own um, sensitivity, ability to, I think also that plays a huge role in ability to focus, right? And so maybe creating learning segments that are in shorter periods with more breaks or learning to help them to control their awareness rather than, you know, just responding to um, the, the normal pattern of behavior. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. I, I interviewed Bruce Alderman and he's traveled the world. And in Indonesia, they had a beautiful school where they had a sacred space where the very young would come in and it were quiet, basically meditated. And he said it was so beautiful, and the intent was to spread that throughout the throughout the campus. And the children just seemed to be so much more, I don't know, feeling, trusting their inner guidance, it seemed, more creative and having that time. And it sounds like that's what you're talking about a little bit. That might be one part of it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know you worked a lot with young children in Australia. Can you tell us a little bit about that with the children? What were the lessons that those children taught you in terms of spirituality and consciousness and what? Absolutely. On that? Yeah, of course. So when I lived in Australia, I worked at a childcare center and uh, we really, I, I really was around the like, mostly the two to three age range. Right. And what, what was really interesting about that is seeing the natural expression of, of a child's you know, development, their awareness, their consciousness. Because during that time period, there's a lot of this um, discovering the I in all of it and starting to have opinions and, and desires and, and all of that sort of thing. Whereas before they identified more with mom, right? They were like mm -hmm. an extension of her. And I always loved this age because it, it, they, they were enough that they're going to still listen to me, <laughs> but at the same time, um, be able to, to be their own little person, which I always loved. But what that really showed me, that's really where I get this idea of like paying attention to the needs of the individual child. Um, and also, you know, never really downplaying their sort of more spiritual awareness or spiritual experiences. I don't think we should necessarily encourage it as in try to develop it or deepen it. But I, I, I do think that what we need to do is um, understand the, the time and space that they're in, right? Because we have so much psychological understanding of a child's development. I think it's important also to take in the spiritual aspect of their awareness and where they are in their personal growth. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make it does make sense. And you talk a, a bit about on to segue a bit. You talk that you feel like you chose your particular family for a reason, like of course we all do. So what was what was the reason you think that you chose your particular family? Ooh, <laughs> <It was> a, <laughs> uh, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> I definitely think uh, a couple of things. I think that I was very fortunate in picking a family that was going to be accepting 
uh, of me and who I am as I grew up. Um, and also, I would say I picked this family because of the particular challenges that it brought. Um, I have a theory when it comes to uh, mediumistic awareness, psychic awareness, that sort of thing. I believe that there is a large connection between trauma and our mediumistic states of awareness. Mm -hmm. So having these sorts of challenges, either yourself or your parents having gone through some sort of either trauma or abuse, um, has been shown to change and extend uh, our, like change the way our nervous system is, and it's much more sensitive. And so I think it was actually in some ways a requirement for my development, um, spiritually, I would say, to be in a family where maybe I didn't always feel the safest, or maybe I didn't always get that sense of um, knowing what's coming next, because it trained my awareness then to have to feel into the atmosphere to see if what was coming, what was I going to deal with that day? Does that make sense? Interesting. Yeah. So you, could you explain to the listeners what you mean by mediumistic abilities? Absolutely. So uh, whenever we are talking about um, other senses and, and that sort of thing, um, oftentimes we're going to talk about how we perceive the other, other world. So information that our regular thinking brain is, is not necessarily, I, I should say our consciousness is not necessarily attuned to for survival. So you have your like survival needs uh, and that's how your brain works. And then you have this other bits of information that are constantly present and aware. Um, but we just, our brain is not wired or, or trained, I should say trained to pay attention to that stimulus. Does that make sense? Yes. And so the way that we perceive these other states of awareness is through what we call the clairs. So clairvoyance, which means clear seeing, um, clairaudience, which is clear hearing, clairsentience, which is clear feeling, and claircognizance, which is a sense of knowing. And these are the tools that our other awareness, our mediumistic states of awareness, use to sense and perceive. So I know a lot of people out there probably are uh, quite sensitive uh, people, so they might consider themselves empaths or highly yes. sensitive people. Um, those people oftentimes are going to really rely heavily on uh, clairsentience as, as a tool because they're constantly feeling into their environment. They're constantly trying to feel what's happening. And this is oftentimes why uh, other people's emotions and things can have a big impact on them. And of course, I have my own theories as to how we can mitigate that, but that might be for a different time. I don't know. <laughs> well, I'd like to hear a little bit about that because I think there are so many people, not only young children, but for for our listeners who do feel feel <laughs> like <Yep>. they, they <laughs> literally um, literally feel yeah take take on other people's feelings and things. So so yeah, give us a little bit of insight on your on your theories. Absolutely. So I feel that those of us who are considered highly sensitive people, uh, empaths, that sort of thing, we often have, um, we've often had to go through what I described earlier, which is that sense of at a young age, you know, having to feel into the space around you to make sure that we are safe and that sort of thing and, and figure out what, what's coming. Um, so what I feel happens with, the, with these kinds of people is that because they have such a highly attuned sensitivity, now they're still continuously doing that within 
all of our relationships that we have. So both our personal relationships, our social environments, all of these things. And because our awareness is now tuned to search and feel what's happening with each person, obviously not only searching for bad, but also searching for good, right? Good things and good experiences. We will oftentimes spend too much attention going outward rather than uh, experiencing and taking that sensitivity inward. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And so because we have this sensitivity that's always reaching out and trying to feel, um, we oftentimes will take on other people's stuff. I know for myself personally, I've had these experiences where literally my, uh, you know, someone I'm very close to's emotions become my emotions or I feel like they're my emotions. And then I have to go back and go, wait a second, this isn't me. This is this, is this other thing. Right, right. What I've learned I have to do then is to pay, take my energy and uh, one, do my best to avoid constantly feeling outward and bring my energy and focus into myself. What is it that I'm feeling? What is it that I need right now? And checking in with myself. The second thing I would say too is because highly sensitive people oftentimes live and exist on so much emotion, um, I feel that trying to then fill themselves with the emotion they want to impact their environment rather than being uh, you know, receptive to the things coming to them, uh, it's, it's better to then fill yourself with what you want to be experiencing and learn to hold your own energy and space so that now you're impacting those people around you rather than the other direction. Yeah. And do you do this when you're in a contemplative state, meditation, and it sounds like it's a great, great time that you would be quiet when you are contemplative like this? Absolutely. I think that's a great place to kind of reinforce this idea and reinforce, um, you know, creating that centered sort of self. But I also think that it's about being mindful in the moment when these things are happening. So if you know you're going to be going over to your aunt's house and she's always negative, right? You're going to go in already fortified and ready and going to hold your space and being able to determine this isn't mine, this is yours, you keep that. And I'm going to actually give you some of this happiness, some of this joy, some of this love, because that's really what I think overpowers and overrides a lot of these, these negative things. Really compassion, I think, is a huge key in, in all of this. Yeah. And I know you talked about how important it is for, for all to develop a level of discernment for a young child also, which is kind of what you're talking about. Absolutely. Um, can, can you expand on that? Absolutely. I think really teaching kids often uh, about what they're feeling, what are they experiencing and having an understanding of that. So that way that their own needs aren't, you know, neglected, but also having a sense of kind of, I guess, teaching them that they're more than just you know, these, these physical experiences that there, that there is more to them and that they can learn to just like those kids you were talking about, um, that were doing the meditation and that sort of thing. It's developing that awareness, that mindfulness and that, uh, sense of, I guess, taking responsibility in charge of their energy as much as they can given their development. Does that make sense? Yes. But how how would one do that? I mean, for instance, I remember you mentioning if a very young child doesn't want to go up and hug, you know, Aunt Annie Ann or something, and you need to listen to that and and understand their emotions and and validate. Absolutely. I think it's super important that uh, with kids is um, 
you know, teaching them that their space is their space, you know, that they have autonomy over, you know, what the things that they experience. Because I think oftentimes when we force our kids into these sort of social situations, I, obviously there's, there's room for encouragement, but without sort of demand. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think that teaching children that their energy is something that they have control over and what they feel confident um, in understanding that and how that works and how the benefit of it is. Because we think about things like self-soothing, right? If a child knows that, you know, I can just start to feel into, if we teach them something very basic, very simple, like that within them there exists a place in them that's going to feel that sense of love or feel that sense of support that they can feel from themselves. Um, you know, you can even use that in creative ways. Like, you know, well, for example, like people have imaginary friends, which may not even be that imaginary depending on the situation. Yes. Um, but finding those sort of safe places within themselves that they can create that sense of, ah, you know, even in these sort of uncertain times and spaces, I can bring my awareness to this place of security. So it's just a matter of how you sort of help them. It depends on their age and, and, and all of that. Yeah. And then do you feel like it helps them navigate the world in, in a different way, maybe a more positive way as, as they get older? Absolutely. Uh, I think that, I mean, we've seen already with, you know, different schools in uh, implementing meditation instead of detention. I don't know if you've ever seen that video. Yes, I have. And how they had, you know, the, the, the rate of incidences go down dramatically. So if we're already teaching children these things at a young age, we're teaching them coping skills. We're teaching them how to manage and handle their own energy, their own mental and emotional awareness. Like they all go together. These things aren't separate. Yeah, yeah. And you you are a medium and you talk a lot about the power of presence. Um, can you expand on that a bit? Yeah, so oftentimes when I talk about the power or sitting in the power or sitting in the stillness, and what that's learning to do is helping us to get out of our thinking mind because in our day-to-day -day life, uh, in our society, we're focused on achieving, we're focused on action, we're focused on making things happen. And I feel very much that um, the mediumistic states of awareness actually exclude the mind, right? So you actually have to have less mind, less thinking, so that you can become aware and receptive and passive so that you can receive these otherwise non-experienced um, vibrations. Does that make sense? Yes. And so what I often talk about is... Uh, discovering the presence, the, the quiet. And what we also often find is in all religious and spiritual traditions, there is some sort of uh, going into the quiet, going into the stillness, because it's in that space that all of these humans and all these different traditions have discovered, wow, when we go into this quiet, dedicated space, we're actually able to experience and know things that we didn't know before or experienced before. For example, the presence and the stillness and closeness of God. Um, I feel like that's a big and important part. And so when I'm talking about the presence, it can mean, you know, the spirit, it can mean God or, or you know, whoever you want to call, you know, that deity for you. Um, you learn to go into that quiet and it's in that quiet you discover um, that bigger sense of you. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And that's Beautiful. you connected to that greater, greater part. Right. So you said at the beginning of the interview that you, even as a very young child, you were just kind of searching like, what is God or whatever name you would like to give the light the, and what did a divine connection? Do you feel like you've found, found that? 
Yeah. So what's what's interesting is I think um, on top of you know that search and that desire to understand and know God, I think I was also looking for something to show me that these things uh, that we can't necessarily see with our physical senses or, or experience with our physical senses exists. So I needed evidence for that because that's just yes. how my mind works is what's the evidence that these things actually exist. And for me, I would say through mediumship um, and, and discovering how to utilize and work with my awareness that I really, it, mediumship really takes you to the threshold of your own inner being. Mm-hmm. So really what it's showing me is that these things are possible right? And then as I now move into these other states of awareness, I then start to touch maybe the tip of the iceberg of this thing that I might call God. Because I think that as we discover these different levels and layers of our awareness, we start to tune into parts of ourselves that are far greater than just our own physicality. And when you start to touch and move into those areas, we discover, wow, actually, there's so much more out here. So have I found in and found God? I think I found a roadmap that seems to be working. Yeah. Well, and when you, when you are a medium for those and, and you bring in their loved ones with this evidential evidence, <laughs> how, wow, that must just be amazing for you, not to mention the person that you're doing a reading for. Oh, absolutely. I can't tell you how many times I've done a reading and afterwards tear up or become like, like laughing or, or just some sort of like just awe that I often will feel after a reading because there's no logical reason why someone can sit in front of me and I can know things about their you know, loved ones and, and details into their lives and circumstances happening presently and then things happening, you know, in the past and the future and all of these things. And I know that these things aren't coming from my mental thinking awareness. It's right. not a matter of just reading, you know, small, subtle cues, the kinds of information that come through um, goes far beyond that. And so for me, there's been so many times where I've done a reading and I literally just sit there after the, the client leaves and just go, wow thank you. Like, thank you for letting me experience this because this is just more evidence to me that there's something so amazing, something so real uh, out there that I'm connecting with. And I just want to deepen that. I want to know that more. I want to explore that. And how does that, this, this beautiful journey, how has that um, made you walk in life a bit differently? Oh, absolutely. So uh, having this sort of understanding, so I think there's a key thing that happens in a lot of people's spiritual development, and it's the understanding of going from believing to knowing. Yes. And, and that is a, is, a, is a step that I, I really hope for everyone that they get to have that experience in their life where that transition happens, because it makes a big difference. When you know that there's this spirituality, you, you, you almost surrender in some way. So I feel that one thing I've learned definitely from, from under having this understanding is that I don't actually have to direct and control and manage you know, my life as such. I can actually just learn to flow and learn to recognize and feel what is the direction that, that things are flowing for me. And one of the things that I often tell, you know, I live by is this idea of following the open doors. 
So whenever, let's say I'm trying to manifest something, and I, I use that term very, very lightly, but let's say that there's something that I could benefit from or want. I often will just offer that up to the spirit and say, hey, if this is possible, if this connects and works with what I'm meant to be doing, can that happen? And then I completely let it go, completely forget about it, but then I stay open for the open doors. Do I see an open door? And if it seems to flow that way, then I just move that way. And I, I can't tell you how much ease comes in life when you're not trying to force things, when you're just learning to accept and move with. Does that make sense? Oh, it does. It's, it's just absolutely beautiful and very thought-provoking. Uh, and you just, you need to ask, right? Absolutely. I think that putting out what you were, you know, wanting for, but I think also the, the biggest part is, realizing what is it you're asking for and why, right? Uh, if it's just, you know, I want this big house because I want this big house, like right. it's not really benefiting you in any way. But if it's for a greater purpose, if it's for moving your development or your awareness forward, and this is just a step in that direction, I think that that's oftentimes, I've seen at least in my own life, um, that that's taken care of. But again, to go back to that idea of, um, how the spiritual uh, spirituality and this awareness has helped me is that I actually let go of what I think I want. And what's, what's really weird is, is in some ways there's a freedom in surrendering to a divine purpose. Mm -hmm. There's sort of this, this stress that is relieved because now one, you're not swimming against the grain and two, you know that you're being guided towards something and and I think it just also takes away a lot of the wants of life as well. It's like you sort of just start to go with what is happening. And it seems it does, or do you think it takes you back to more of like a childlike state of when you were? I mean, definitely in the sense of being led and being cared for and being looked after. I mean, there's, there's very much this sense within me um, of feeling secure and safe within um, where my life is headed yes. because yeah. I know that I'm watched. I know that I'm looked after the relationship that I had with those guides and helpers who work with me, um, make me aware that that's, that's happening. Yes. Beautiful. Well, we, we need to wrap it up. I'm so sorry. I hope you can come back and talk about more about this topic and also your astrology. I can't wait to hear more about that. And um, so if someone wants to find you, um, could you tell us how? Uh, yeah, absolutely. You can find me on pretty much all social media. Uh, so my website is mediummichaelmayo.com. Dot com. Um, and then uh, my Facebook is facebook.com slash medium Michael Mayo. My Instagram is at medium Michael Mayo. So I kind of try to make it as easy as possible for everyone to yes. find me. And then I, my YouTube as well is medium Michael Mayo as well. So it's all the same thing. I have a thing for alliteration. So medium Michael Mayo makes me really happy. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> and this will also be in my show notes. Um, after, you know, when you look up the, look up the interview. So Michael, thank you so much for, for coming on the show and um, really appreciated it. Great information. Oh, you're so welcome. And I, I'm, I'm so honored to have be on it and I'm happy to come back whenever you're, whenever you'd like. Great. Okay. Thank you so much. You have a great day. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. 
Thank you so much for listening in today. If you want to learn more about the show, you can find us at interviewswithinnocence.com and on Facebook or Instagram at interviewswithinnocence. Please write me a message. Tell me what you liked and let me know what else you would like to hear. I would love to hear from you. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us an iTunes rating and review. It helps other listeners find the show. Thank you.